Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and to make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. In you I find my joy. It's such an honor to be with you guys. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Jacob. I am the worship pastor here. Um, and every now and then, my best friend Alex gives me the mic, and it's fun. Um, and so here we are, and I'm pumped. Nice to meet you. Okay, so tonight I just have a very simple, I, I, I'm really excited for tonight. It's a very simple, practical, maybe why I'm sitting, kind of like family chat. Um, if you're taking notes tonight, um, which you should be taking notes, if you're taking notes, the title of my message is Four Signs of a Good Leader. Ooh, wow. If you guys are that way with the title, then I hope you're that way. Four Signs of a Good Leader. So out of the passage that we're going to be reading this evening, I really did feel like the Lord highlighted four different signs, four different aspects, almost four attributes of a good leader. Obviously, we know in leadership there's probably more than four uh, good signs of a leader, but um, with this passage, four stood out to me. And when I say leader, I just want to say this. This really does include everyone in here. It's not just somebody in ministry, leadership, right? It's uh, you either, uh, maybe you can connect with this, you either lead a, a team, a sports team, maybe you lead a Bible study, maybe you lead your friends, you feel like you, God has put you there to help lead friends. Um, I know leading a family, how many of you like lead a family? Um, that, but then also, um, how many of you know we need help leading ourselves <laughs> too? So this includes everybody. So um, that being said, we're picking up in, this, in our, our current series, House of Acts. So uh, sword drill, pull out your Bible if you have it. Uh, Acts 20 is where we're going to be. So go to flip your Bible, your phone maybe. Hopefully Bible. Acts 20. All right, I'm going to start. Acts 20, when the uproar had ended, so uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast last week, uh, you can hear about that uproar, Alex. We talked about it. Oh, wait, two weeks ago maybe. Last week, thank you. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, I love that, after encouraging them, said goodbye, and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, love this again, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months. Bible nerds, that three-month scholar say, uh, that's where my favorite book, if you give me one book of the Bible, honestly, this is where uh, it says that uh, Paul wrote the book of Romans. Just fun little thing. So stayed there for three months because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria. He decided to go back through Macedonia. He was accompanied by, here we go, Grace here, Sopater, son of Pyr- Pyrrhus from Berea, Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, and Tychicus and Trophimus. Wow, sounds strong. From the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. I love that it says us, so now we know that who's the author of Acts. So now we see that Luke is with them, okay? Waited for us at Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the festival of unleavened bread. Sounds fun. 
not for the gluten intolerant, I guess. Um, sounds like a crazy festival. Five days later, join the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. Moving on. Eutychus raised from the dead at Troas. On the first day of the week, so remember that, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread or tacos. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Wow. Some of you guys think I go long. Paul went till midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man from the youth group named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. Oh, gosh. As Paul talked on and on and on and on. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Sheesh. Paul went down, this is awesome, threw himself on the young man, maybe think Old Testament Elisha, right? Himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said, he's alive. Then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate, just like that. After talking until daylight, he left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for tonight. We thank you, Spirit of God, that you are here. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you, what you love to do is reveal Jesus. We thank you, God, that it's truth that sets us free. And I thank you ahead of time that um, truth is about to set me and others free tonight. Would you use me, Holy Spirit? We bless your holy name. Would you bless the people next to us really well? God, why not tonight could we be changed? Why not tonight could we be changed and, and leave more just filled by your spirit, ready to just transform the world around us. Why not tonight? Do it again. Amen. Okay, so Acts 20, such a fun passage, right? The book of Acts, if you don't know, is like a narrative. It's a narrative, a, a story of the early church. So it's a story documenting the traveling of the gospel, a story of the early church family being formed. It's a narrative of how this church family functioned. So we're actually able to get a framework for how we are to function here at St. Sil. Um, in this book, there's instruction at times, but there's also accounts, as we just read, of different things that God did through this early church. And then there's obviously times of just like Paul with his friends were traveling, right? So it's just a narrative. And while I was reading this and studying, the Holy Spirit would kind of highlight a little word or an idea and kind of nudge me and be like, hey, yeah, t touch on that. Like, talk about that. Expand that for your church family for Saints Hill. And, and just kind of like, hey, that idea right there could be very practical for today. I say this simply to note that, um, just kind of like spoiler alert, that just for you Bible kind of, whatever, I don't need to say that. Some aspects of what I'll be talking about today are more kind of inspired thought by the Spirit through the passage, through the narrative, and maybe not specifically of this passage. Uh, but what's great about a narrative is we get to learn from it. We get to take at it uh, face value what it means, but also what is the story saying? Who's in the story? And ultimately, what can, from the story can we put in our lives to grow? Does that make sense? Okay. So, as I said before, four signs of a good leader. The first sign of a good leader, if you're taking notes, write this down. Next slide is, you are an encourager. <clears throat> and you love to give encouragement. First sign of a good leader. <coughs> Sorry. Not COVID. Maybe COVID-18, but not 19. You're an encourager. A sign of a good leader is you're an encourager. Pretty simple, but very important. In our passage at the beginning of Acts 20, we read in verse 1, 
If you remember, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said goodbye. Then the next verse, it says this, he traveled through that area speaking many, say many, many words of encouragement. I love that. Paul was a major encourager. All over the book of Acts and and other epistles that he wrote, we see Paul encouraging people. Why? Because we, you, I, we need encouragement. Amen? Right, I'm thinking about the phrase, fighting the good fight of faith. We need encouragement in the harder times of life to keep pressing on into right and orderly thinking. We need our faith to be encouraged. We need to be stirred up. I think about the early church, the, the persecution they went through, the hardship. I'm sure there was multiple times where, where discouragement potentially was knocking out their door. So Paul knew to encourage the church, that to encourage the church was a necessity. Encouragement keeps you and others focused. It keeps you going after your mission and what God has called you to. Honestly, I think encouragement helps you believe, right? See, in thinking about encouragement this week and the need for it, the Lord, it was so cool. The Lord just dropped this sentence in my head. I love when he does this. And he just said this, encouragement is the fuel to prophecies fulfilled. Encouragement is the fuel to prophecies fulfilled. 1 Corinthians 14.3 says this, But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. So we know that prophecy, when you give a prophetic word to someone, it's for their strengthening. It's, it's, it's for them to be built up in the Lord, to reveal what the Lord is saying is to come. Right? That word is for their encouragement. But how many of you know that at times to believe what the Lord has said about you and where he's taking you, you need some encouragement, right? The Lord a lot of times will come and bring a word to you that is huge and you feel this big. And you're like, how do, how do I get there? You need encouragement, right? A little personal story here. Right now, I've been trying to run <laughs> more and more. I just have this, uh, just, uh, and all my friends are running now. We're all, like, running. It's, like, just as much as revival sweeping this, like, like valley, it's, like, spirit of running is all over us. So, Saints Hill Run Club is a real thing. Like, even all our friends, we signed up for, like, a run. Salmon, Bend, what is it? The Bend Salmon Run? Where are my Salmon Bend runners at? Love it. Right? So, we're going hard. Like, one of my uh, best friends, I don't th- think he's here tonight. Wow. Uh, Phil. Phil, 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 Phil Viegas, Abby's husband, is one of my best friends. Um, he better listen to the podcast. He's a little stinker. Uh, but, but him and I are even like we're so in this thing. We're doing a no carb march. So next, like, starting tomorrow, it's like like I'm gonna eat like nine pizzas tonight. It's like starting tomorrow, no carb uh, march. So I'm in this season of training. I have a goal, right? So the goal is. Mario Lopez. Do you know like the goal? The goal is very. The the goal is muscles. The goal is flat belly in Jesus' name. The goal is sorry. I'm just being real. The goal is endurance. The goal is chicken broccoli. Chicken broccoli. That's like that's the goal, right? So this intense. I'm being silly here, but this intense army of God physique is knocking at my door. Right? So the prophecy is knocking at the door. I'm just opening that door. I'm just, I'm in a season of agree, agreeing what the Lord wants to do with my biceps. It's a powerful time. It's going to happen. So, so the end goal, thank you, Jesus, the end goal uh, can motivate me. Right? The end goal, thinking about the end goal can motivate me. Like, like every morning having the picture of just like Dwayne the Rock Johnson like on the bathroom can motivate 
I mean, Jesus is our rock, but he, he's there right now on the, right? So he can be, he can, I'm such a dad already. Okay, so that goal can motivate me, right? But how many of you know that I actually need fresh courage today? right? So for today's run, I need, I need courage. Like I need, I need courage to crush today's run and, and, and because this run and is going to get me to that end goal. Are you guys tracking with me? Like by the spirit of God, we actually have the ability to use our words to build people up to see God's kingdom come, to see God dreams come true in people's life. Our words of encouragement are that fuel, Right? So, like how I said, to expand even more, like, I, I can have the Arnold Schwarzenegger magazine on the ceiling taped. So, right when I wake up, I see that. It's, like, the first thing, right? So, I can have that. That can be my goal. But I also need my Phil Viegas to call me when I'm staring at my Hoka's, my Asics for an hour and just say, you got this, buddy. You can crush this, right? And encourage me. And really, encouragement is putting courage in someone, Right? Like, encouragement's like, hey, a real friend, and we're going to talk about this, like, like, put the focaccia down. Right? Like, no donuts for breakfast. We munching on them miles. Okay? Like, for breakfast, a t- 10K for breakfast, and for lunch, we got, like, a nice little foam rolling session. Okay? Gosh. Are we alive? Are you guys with me? But really, Proverbs 18.21 says this, the tongue... The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I don't know if you've thought about it. That's huge. Your tongue, your words have in them power, power of life or death. Now think about that godly responsibility and how you can impact the people around you. If we really believe this, I I think we would be encouraging everyone nonstop. See, because our words create worlds for ourselves and for people. See, if, if you have the mindset of, you know, God's just always going to end up doing what he's going to do, and everything just happens for a reason in people's life, and, and I don't really need to encourage people, um, I would just argue, then why would God give that type of power to your tongue? Okay. Uh, see, I can't tell you how many times when I felt discouragement crawling towards me, I ran to the scriptures meditated on scripture for strength, to believe the right thing. I ran to Jesus for his voice to strengthen me. Because how many know Jesus is the best and biggest encourager? Amen? But then also, I, I, Alex is so good at this. He's a great model for me. He's like, in, t- in hard times, I run to older prophetic words, recordings, anything. I listen to them. I read them. I get courage put back into me to run this race well. And remind me of my calling, my destiny. See, encouragement is the fuel of prophecies fulfilled. All right, so one more verse that will just make you encourage people's socks right off. Here we go. This is huge. This is crazy. Hebrews 3.13 says this. But encourage one another daily. Say daily. But encourage one another daily as long as it's called today. And get this. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. <laughs> what, it, what is the medicine to not being hard from the deceitfulness of sin? Encourage each other daily. You don't want to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Use your tongue to bless people. Right? So real quick, uh, let's take a quick inventory of our words. Do you truly encourage the people around you daily? Daily. Really think about it. Let's get real. Think about what you say consistently. Is it encouraging to people's spirit? 
See, encouragement is more than just compliments and making people feel good. It's giving life-filled words that push people to kingdom wins. <laughs> right? So are you encouraging the people around you? See, we must be the biggest encouragers. We must be putting courage into people so that they can know the truth and walk in freedom. We're called to cheer people on in the Lord. Here's a good question. Do people feel like they can tackle the assignment of the Lord after getting coffee with you? Think about it. Or do they now have tons of a bigger list, a bigger prayer list? <laughs> do they have a bigger prayer list or do they feel like they, you, because I met with that person, I get to, I, I have courage today. See, it's easier to push people to the rest of the journey, but it's encouragement today that will get them there, not just revealing what's to come. We need both, but it's today. One of the best ways to be encouraged is by the Word of God. So many times in the book of Acts, we see the phrase, uh, there they preached the gospel. They encouraged each other by preaching the gospel. There, they traveled there to preach the gospel. See, the good news of Christ is the biggest exhortation that we have. So a good leader encourages everyone. So give people prophetic words and daily encouragements that will help them today, not just tomorrow. Lastly, remember that the only way... This is very simple stuff. The only way that you put courage in someone is if you possessed it first. See, encouragers encourage because they know who God says they are. And they are encouraged by the gospel themselves. Are you freshly encouraged by the good news of Christ? So get in the, the word. Revisit prophetic uh, words. Be filled up so you can be a good leader that is always giving. So once again, let's take inventory. Do you constantly share and identify godly traits in people's lives and share that on? Are you giving away biblical truths and promises for people to hold on to? Or are you just recommending another podcast? Hey, you should read this book. Or hey, here's just my opinion. Or are you, or, or you, this, this one's big. I wrote, uh, this is big for me because this was convicting. I was like typing this and I was like, ooh, spirit. <laughs> but I was like, Get this, track with me. Or are you tearing other people's walks down and calling it wisdom because you are learning from their mistakes? So do you give godly encouragement? Being an encourager is a sign of a good leader. Now another aspect we see in Acts 20, in verse 4, is seven men accompanied, accompanied Paul as far as Western Turkey. We see that, if you remember, that list of people. He, was, he wasn't traveling alone. I love this because it shows that Paul had a stacked and powerful crew. <laughs> These people were ministry partners, and scholars actually say with those men that we uh, read out, was they were actually carrying uh, financial gifts for the church in Jerusalem. So these men, it, it, what it shows me is that these men that Paul had around them were ministry partners, but men of character and stature. They could carry that type of stuff. So the second sign of a good leader is, next slide, good friends. Do we got a next slide? Is it up there? Oh, we got it. Good friends, mission-led friendships. So another good sign of a leader. Is this practical? Are you getting something? Okay. Another good sign of a good leader is that you have good friends around you. So simple, but majorly important. And speaking of encouragement, good friends encourage you, huh? Okay. Yeah. In this passage, we see that Paul isn't traveling alone, right? He's doing life with like-minded people that are doing gospel work together. How many of you just love a good friend? Have you had a good friend? 
See, I think, I think there's a big difference between having acquaintances and having friends. And then, and then track with me, there's a big difference then in having friends and covenant relationships. That's a whole nother level. Whole nother level. See, it makes me think of the friendship between Jonathan and David. Their friendship shows us what loyalty looks like, what honor looks like. So let me tell you, you want friends in your corner. This is a sign of a good leader. You want friends in your corner that are not only fun on vacation or just make good food or you can watch The Office with and open up a good bottle of Pinot. Hello. Thank you, Lord. In moderation. But hear me, this is a simple message, but you also want covenant friends. You want friends that are committed to you and that you are committed to, that are loyal. You want to be that friend. See, Jonathan and David's heart were knitted together. They had an assignment together. You need friends that will stick with you through the thick and thin. The Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. (laughs) In other words, a good friend knows when to say, "Hey, hey, knock that off. You're being a dummy. That's a good friend. Maybe a friend that says, hey, brush your teeth. Wear deodorant. That's a good friend. Right? A godly friend gives you truth and doesn't hold it back from you. It's a good friend. You need those friends, and it makes you a good leader. See, you can truly trust a friend um, that wants to correct you in love at times. The Bible also says a true friend loves at all times. How many of you are thankful for your friend or spouse that loves you at all times? That even when you're being a little knucklehead buster, they still love you. You need those friends, right? Am I just talking to myself? I want to quickly, yeah, well, I want to I I quickly uh, read this passage about uh, David and Jonathan's relationship. Ready? 1 Samuel 23, 14, 18 says this. You can listen to me. David stayed in the wilderness. So David was in the wilderness. This wasn't like when the song was being sung to him, right? Like this is like kind of more of a low moment. Ready? David stayed in the wilderness strongholds, in the wilderness strongholds, and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. While David was at Horesh in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son, wow, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh, and and get this part, and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. See, another way of saying that is, see, Jonathan strengthened David in the Lord. You need friends like this in your life. Friends that come to you in the wilderness and say, don't fear. Do you have those friends? Are you that friend to people? See, you need covenant friends that seek you out. That's a, see, that's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, right? See, this is not, like I said, this isn't David's high moment. Do you have friends that are with you in every season? Because when I was thinking about it, let me tell you, like our Sunday night worship has been amazing, amen? But let me tell you something that else, that something else that is powerful, is a friend being with you that goes into your life when it gets rocky and says, hey, they believe in you and they strengthen you in the Lord. That's a powerful thing. See, you need a covenant friend. I think about my best friends that are in my life. It's so crazy. All my best friends live in Newburgh now. It's like a dream. It's insane. Uh, they love the Lord. They love the presence of God. They love building each other up. I think of uh, Pastor Alex. Like, that's my best friend. That's a covenant friend. See, when, aw. See, see when uh, my wife, Becky, and I first got married, we actually moved around a ton. 
Uh, I truly do feel like we were um, following God's voice, trying to be obedient, but we're also looking for, like, I remember saying we were young and a little stupid, for sure. Just like, oh, we're looking for our place and our people. And I love that. It's important. And we met tons of people, but we never felt grounded. But I remember when my wife and I met the Rutmans. And it may sound funny, but I remember saying, like, these are our people. And we used the phrase, we are marrying them in ministry. Covenant friendship. See, I truly believe that when you find your people, you will find your place. You'll find your purpose. You'll find the mission that God gave you. So the mission that he gave you in the Bible, you now need to find your people to see that purpose play out. See, it's with your friendships, building family, doing life together. See, we were at the time, we were in Redding, California, and the Retmans came and visited us, and maybe you've heard this, but they, they came and they said, hey, we're planting a church in Newburgh. And I'm from Oregon, but truly, truly, I didn't know anything about Newburgh. I didn't know if I'd like it. Um, some would probably even say, like, I didn't have, like, peace about the land. Like, I, I didn't have a peace about the place. But honestly, we gave a quick yes. Why? Because our, of our covenantal friendship. We said yes to our people. So we moved to Newburgh, and it was hard, working multiple jobs, figuring out uh, this new place. See, it wasn't, quote, easy, but we had peace saying yes because of friendship. It's a big deal. See, a quote I say a ton is, your alignment determines your assignment. Who you align yourself with in life will determine where you go. See, this could be really good, or how many of you know this could be really bad? Who you do life with ultimately will shape you more into Christ or more like the world. <laughs> it's simple. See, my best friends are one of the main reasons why I stay hungry for the Lord. And true friend keeps you humble. They love you for who you really are, not just what you can offer. They have character, right? Do you have those friends? Uh, one other thought on this kind of friendship thing is it may sound simple, but probably my biggest tip in this, uh, my, my core group of best friends in life um, are not just there because we like the same things and have fun together. It's because we all found each other on the path of seeking first the kingdom. See, once Becky and I devoted our hearts to his kingdom and seeking him first, good friends were the, the gift that were added to us. See, like I, I sought the kingdom and we were going there and people like Alex, Emily, Lorna and Andoni, Phil and Abby, Tyler and Bria, they kind of just got in our way while we were seeking the kingdom because they were doing the same thing. I love it. See, I could talk about friendship all night. But one last thought, because this I just wanted to share because we're just family chat, is find yourself some friends that you can laugh with too. <laughs> you guys awake? Okay. Thank you. The Bible says a merry heart is medicine. See, have, have friends that are godly, anointed, that are prophetic, they pray with you. Have friends around you that are steady, faithful, friends that love the presence of God and never seem to get sick of it, right? But also have friends that are bringing joy and merriness to your house, right? Friends that don't take themselves so seriously are some of the best ones, amen? So take inventory. We're going to take inventory after all of these. Take inventory. Are you a good, godly, loyal friend? Do you have those? If not, my tip is, and it may sound very simple, but if not, seek the kingdom. Ask the Lord for brothers and sisters. A sign of a good leader is one that has good friends. Amen? Now, moving on. Uh, if you remember, look at verse 7. Oh, here we go. In, in verse 7 in Acts, the passage reads, On the first day of the week, we came together and broke bread. 
Now, I bring this up because scholars say, and this is pretty cool, scholars, scholars say that this is one of the first clear examples of the church actually meeting on a Sunday for a gathering. So not on a Sabbath, so Saturday, but Sunday. And that's why we now have, obviously, the church tradition of meeting here um, on Sundays. It's to gather, uh, to have an agape love feast, ultimately Sunday, to celebrate Jesus' resurrection day, right? So this may seem simple, but I think it's a big deal because it's another sign of the early church revealing that they're in a new covenant. You're going to get this here in a bit. New covenant because of Jesus, that they're actually free from the old law. So in understanding this and seeing this simple sentence in Acts, it made me think of how beautiful our new covenant is with Jesus. It just reminded me how it's crucial that we understand and lead from that new covenant place. So the third sign of a good leader is this. Jesus is your Sabbath. You are free from works and live and lead under the new covenant law of love. It's good news. I'm going to say it again. Jesus is your Sabbath. You are free from works and live and lead under the new covenant law of love. So a good leader leads from a place place of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You lead from where he ended. You start where he finished. See, uh, there in that place where you lead is then Jesus then can be your peace and rest. And you lead others and yourself from that place. See, the keeping of the Sabbath was in the Old Covenant. And see, it's important to know that the law of the Old Covenant was needed. It was important. And you've heard this language before. It was a tutor for right living. And really, it was amazing because it revealed God's goodness to lead his people. The Old Covenant was amazing. But also, in simple terms, we see that the law was introduced to the people of Israel for a specific time, and for a specific type of people, Jews, right? And we also learned that the, the, the law could only be, f- be fulfilled by a Jew, and Jesus was a? This is good news. See, Matthew says Christ came to fulfill the law. And we are, slash we're Gentiles now grafted into the family of God through grace, through the finished work of the cross. So this is very simple stuff, but actually the law was never even intended for you. We are free. Not because of our performance, but because of Jesus and how he crushed sin and death on the cross. See, we must lead others and ourselves out of this place fully understanding the gift of the gospel. See, I'm using the Sabbath as an example, but it's good to note, Scripture doesn't actually require New Testament believers to observe Saturday Sabbath. It just doesn't. Some do. Some still do Sabbath. I've, I've definitely done it, and we're going to actually get a little bit more into this later, so hold on. I'll explain. But, like, like here's another thing that actually, and this may be a shocker, that the Bible doesn't require the New Testament church to actually tithe. See, language completely for the New Testament church changes to radical self-giving and generosity. However, you guys know, and this is, this is good to talk through as a family, however, we still collect a tithe, right? And it's because it helps uh, grow the family. We actually keep doing tithe because it honors uh, not our efforts, but it honors the church that God is building. So tithing is a good thing. But also, we're under a new covenant that actually it's now pushes us to generosity. 
So tithe is a good place to start, but may we be a generous people. See, tithe is also just saying, hey, you know what? With my finances and, and I'm in this body, I can actually get behind what the Lord's doing and I'm ready to sow in. It's a, it's a good thing. See, as good leaders, when we understand we don't live under a works-based covenant anymore, but, but we start to understand that Jesus in his fullness of work is our Sabbath. We operate from that place. Something Pastor Alex says a ton is we work from an identity, not for one. See, Paul talks about the Sabbath in Romans, and it says this. this is so good. So, my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ, that you might belong to another, to him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us, so that we bore fruit for death. But now, by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. It's huge. It's all about faith, right? We're saved by grace through what? Faith. Romans 14 says this, and this is where we can get into the nitty-gritty. Romans 14 says this. Paul says, One person considers one day more sacred than the others, and another considers all the days alike. Then some eat meat, and others actually abstain. But he says, either way, what you're doing, give thanks unto the Lord. It's ultimately talking about not passing judgment, therefore it leading to peace in your community. So that being said, is it fine to take a Sabbath? Yes. Is it required? No. But if you choose either way, know that you are under a new law of love, and in it give thanks to him. See, just my own little Jacob thought here is if you hold true to a Sabbath, and that's awesome, I should probably actually do it more. However, if you do, don't let it be under the law of works. Are we listening? See, this is just Jacob here. Be weary of any messages in the church that almost create a feeling or an atmosphere, almost make it feel wrong if you aren't keeping a Sabbath. Remember, Sabbath isn't a day off. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. So if you choose to take a Sabbath, make sure it's in reaction to something, not from something. Not reaction from a hard week, and people wear me out, so I need a day off. You know, in order for me to have a good week next week, I need to take a Sabbath. Or I'm just on my phone too much, so I should Sabbath. No, Jesus is your Sabbath. So take one in reaction to a person. When you take a Sabbath, take one in reaction to feasting on him, dreaming with him, and loving on him. That's just my two cents. So one last thought on this to encourage you and remind you. We are under, so remember another sign of a good leader is that Jesus is your Sabbath. You work from a place of peace, knowing what covenant you are in. We are under the new law of love that is free from works and pushes us to be a slave to righteousness. See, Jesus said this in Matthew 22. I love this. Teacher, and we're going to learn from this. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as well. Get this. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. 
See, see, we know Jesus fulfilled the law for us, and we are found in him. But now we are in a new covenant, and so he's saying, hey, these commandments of loving your God and loving your neighbor, oh, yeah, these two commandments, oh, yeah, the law and the prophets hang on these two. So what does this tell me? It just tells me that if I love the Lord with all my heart, I will keep his commandments. If I love my neighbor as myself, I will walk in the fulfillment of the law, truly, by the grace of Jesus. But get this, this is the good news. I'll walk in the fulfillment of the law without trying to fulfill the law. That's living by love, living through the empowering grace of the Spirit, the finished work of Jesus. See, that's what the Scripture means in John 14. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. See, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's not a weird passive-aggressive invitation. It's like, hey, if you love me, you'll do what I say. No, that was your weird stepdad. Sorry, we'll take that out. But maybe. (laughs) It's not a weird passive-aggressive. Love does not seek its own. No, it's an answer to right living in divine order over someone's life. So a good leader leads from a place of Jesus being their rest, not living under works, and actually says, if I devote my whole life to loving Jesus and letting the overflow of that love other people, I will live right and do what he says. It's a good word. That should actually bring some freedom. See, another phrase that we use, and I'm going to kind of change it a little bit, is if you strive to build it, you have to strive to sustain it. Whatever it is in life, it's a business, it's a, you're trying to get, get, get your degree, if it's a ministry thing, if you strive to build it, you're going to have to keep striving to sustain it. But Jesus is our Sabbath. Lastly, in our passage of Acts, we actually see this uh, silly youth group kid, right, Eutychus. He falls asleep to his death out of a window, right? Because Paul won't stop talking. I just love that Paul, I also love how we read, like when you're reading it, I just love that Paul raising the dead and then just eating right after and then preaching till morning. It was just like so nonchalant. It's like amazing, right? And side note is, this is like just Bible nerd stuff. Side note, I read some people, and there's some, maybe not wacky, I should be nice. Read some people that they're like, maybe the kid actually didn't die and maybe he didn't actually raise him from the dead. And I would just say, well, the Bible said that he died. So I think he died. Also, Luke, the writer of Acts is a physician. I'm pretty sure he would know a dead person, right? So, uh, <laughs> I love in this passage, uh, we're going to get to the, the bones of what I want to say about this passage, but just on the surface, we see here that it's actually legal for pastors to preach for a really long time. Like, we can be okay with, we can be okay with it because the early church is eager for the voice of God, <laughs> right? So, it's legal. I mean, we got to honor kids and we got to honor things, but it's also legal to preach long and you be okay with it because you're eager for the voice of God. That's weirdly a good word. <laughs> also, this is some people are going to be like, yes, I received this. It also shows that it's legal to fall asleep in church. Just what we also learned from Eutychus, it's probably smart to stay awake though. So we see all this early church gathering, so no mask, like no social distancing. There's oil lamps in there. Scholars say that because of the oil lamps and them all just not socially distancing, um, just the air got stuffy, right? And then it it led Eutychus to fall asleep. Uh, 
But like I said before, I loved in reading, it's just I love that you almost coming off the page, you can feel the eagerness of the early church. They just want to spend time together. They want to soak up the encouragement of the gospel. They want to hear from the Lord. They want to hear from Paul. They're hungry to hear the message go on and on. I love that. May we be that way. But reading this story of the young boy made me think not just about physical tiredness leading to death, but it also made me think of how, how we can be spiritually tired, which can also lead to death, <laughs> right? So to end, the fourth sign of a good leader, you guys still with me, is being spiritually awake. We know how to combat growing numb and being in the back on a windowsill to God. The fourth sign of a good leader for you is you know how to be spiritually awake. You know how to combat growing numb in life. And now not just being on the back, right? Hanging out on a windowsill. See, I could also talk about this subject for a long time, but um, the main way to stay spiritually awake to the Lord, there's so many things to say, but just is to surrender to Jesus' lordship. To have faith in Jesus and live in his truth, regardless of circumstance or feelings. We talk about this all the time. See, I've noticed I can get spiritually numb fast by being so self-consumed with my circumstances and feelings. Right? I actually leave a place of gratitude and I just start to get numb. Have you been there? See, it's focusing on everything God seems to, quote, not be doing. That leaves me numb and apathetic. That leads me to what it feels like, death in my spirit. See, I let the word of the Lord grow not as important. Because like Paul, it feels like God is just going on and on and on talking about something I don't want to hear. See, if you feel apathetic and numb to his voice, maybe you aren't talking about the things he wants to talk about. Right? He's always talking. We know that he's talking. But I, I've been victim of this, and, and I've, I've honestly talked to people here. And there's family chat, right? I've been there. We're like, I just, just, God isn't speaking to me. You're like, okay, okay there's maybe some truth there. It's like, well, let's, let's dissect this. Here's the thing. But there's some truth. He's always talking. He's a good father. He's faithful, right? And so it's just one of those things that, like, also another question, where did you last leave your peace? He's probably talking to you then. And then what would you do? And, you, and you're just not talking about the things he wants to talk about. See, another fast-track way of growing spiritually tired is when life gets hard and tough, the first thing that we want to do is get offended with God. See, when we are offended, we grow numb to any type of activity in our lives of His Holy Spirit. See, being offended like this allows you to forget truth at times. This is crazy. It reminds me of John the Baptist. We know John the Baptist. He's the one who preached and announced Jesus. Right? He had the huge revelation of Jesus. Do you remember? He was like, Jesus is the one. Like, I must decrease. He must increase. Right? And then in Matthew 11, this is crazy. John is in prison. And now he's in prison saying, are you really the one? And he says, or should we be expecting another? See, he's in prison. He's like, my life doesn't look like this. That's crazy. And get this. Jesus' re response was, hey, go tell John of all the kingdom stuff that is happening and say this, blessed is the man that is not offended because of me. Other translations say this of verse 6, blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. So John, the one that was like, hey, here's the one. Then he's in prison and he's like, should we be expecting someone else? Have you been there? See, this, 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 I, this heart of getting offended reveals relationship isn't a high priority, but instead we actually just have expectations of him that he needs to meet. 
So maybe I could say it this way. There's no covenant, just personal need. See, when we get into this expectation mindset, we start thinking God needs to prove something to me. When you get numb, I don't know if you've been there, you're kind of like in the back on the windowsill. Like, oh, I can see what God's doing, but I don't know. He's got to do something for me. Get this. Don't mistake your anger and disbelief with, quote, just my real raw emotions and testing God, and I'm, I'm holding him to his words. I've heard that. I've heard that in the church. Of like, we love when we're honest with God and just, I need you to do this. There is a place for that, contending, um, that type of stuff. But a lot of times it can be masked with unbelief and fear. And how many of you know fear is just rooted in believing that God isn't good enough? See, a good leader stays spiritually awake to the voice of God and his truth. See, we don't put blame on God for our tiredness and lack of discipleship. So you get this, the Bible says, guard your heart from, fl- from it flows the issues of life. So a good leader for their family, for their business, for yourself, a good leader stays awake by guarding his heart. See, let me ask you some more challenging questions. Is, is there truly ever a dry season with you and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Is that biblical? Or is the trajectory of a believer's life Glory to glory. See, the Bible says, my people are being destroyed for the lack of knowledge. (laughs) It doesn't mean that there isn't hard times, but it does mean that we need right perspective. See, the knowledge of Christ in us, him being our rest like we talked about, his spirit keeping us awake to him. The Bible talks about the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be filled with light. So how you see your life, how you see your circumstance, that kind of single-eye focus on Jesus can affect your whole body. See, to end, we're wrapping up here, to end, a good leader stays spiritually awake. How? I think it depends on how you answer this question. What are you feeding on? What are you feeding on? Are you feeding? This is simple stuff. Are you feeding on his presence? Are you feeding on his voice? Are you feeding on the world? One thing we say a lot around here, and I'll kind of tweak it a little, a little bit for the context, is in the presence, the right things grow, stay awake, alive, and the wrong things get drowsy and die, right? So what the Holy Spirit revealed to, to me, to us through Acts 20 today is that, let's put them all, all up here, that four signs of a good leader are you're an encourager, Right? You have good friends, mission-led or lead. It's supposed to be led, sorry. Mission-led friendships. A sign of a good leader is Jesus is your Sabbath. You are free from works and live and lead under the new covenant law of love. Four, being spiritually awake. A good leader knows how to be spiritually awake. We know how to combat growing numb and being in the back on a windowsill to God. Thanks for listening. And if we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website, saintshill.church.